Kevin. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Good to see you again. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> yeah, wherever, <laughs> wherever you're listening. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you're listening. Yeah, well, this is, uh, we've had a lot of fun doing these um, podcasts, and it, it sure is uh, an interesting new business for us. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you being a, 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 an often playing professional musician who work, I guess you work, what, an average two or three nights a week? or I mean, when I was, I've been doing it for 36 years, and I mean, I, I just happened to keep all my date books. I found them when I moved to this house, and I oh, got wow. going back to 91. Oh, wow. And it's astonishing the amount of work. You know, sometimes <laughs> it was like 10... 12 gigs a week. Yeah, wow. You know, two or three a day, all this stuff, you know, you you hustle, you do what you've got to do and I'm 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 working really hard now to to only do a really good gig every other weekend. Yeah. That's, Which could be a couple of days. It's you know, like I, semi-retirement. <laughs> I mean, I've just worked my way up to both kids are out of the house, but you know, there's this thing about the music business that when you when you do it for a living that that when you when you meet other people, they think they America, especially, I think they misunderstand what the music business is because they all have like a 15 year old niece who's written 13 songs and is trying to become the next Taylor Swift or something, which is that's that's like winning the lottery or something. I mean, I'm not saying people shouldn't try, but that's that's really impossible. And I make a distinction between um, the business of music, which is what I do, versus the music business, which yeah. to me, the music business is this tiny little, th- I mean, it's huge, but of the, when we talk about all the music that's made, it's this tiny little thing, which is like selling records and being a, being a music star. But there's all kinds of other things happening with music, you know. Um, what, where do you stand on that? Well, you know, uh, again, when I got started, it was in the, the 60s, 19... That would be 19... Not, 19? 19? 1960s. <laughs> not, not 1860s. You beat me to the joke. <laughs> <laughs> but when I got started, uh, the music business, as far as performing, was you just, um, you know, you went and if you, if you loved playing music, you tried to find an audience somewhere. And there were clubs that where you could go try out and maybe get a gig. Uh, in in my era, it was folk music was the most popular way to, to uh, perform and the most popular music of the time, especially for singers, guitarists, pianists, whatever, they, because it was, you know, one person and their instrument. And, and you were your own band. That's all you needed to be to get a job. So at any rate, that's that's kind of what we did. But it was it was completely a completely unstructured existence, and I guess to a certain extent it still is. I mean, we we uh, if we decided when I decided I wanted to do that for a living, my uh, uh, I just had to go find work, and I found work here, and I would be work there for a while, and then when, then I'd have to go find a new job somewhere else. Eventually, I signed with a booking agency and did you know a week in this town and a week in this town and a week in this town Uh all uh across the united states did that for several years before i wound up saying look i'm getting nowhere doing this and by the way this is the subject matter of my novel the musician yeah which is a great book it's that story of of the 99.9 percent of performing musicians who don't become celebrities 
Right, there you go. I like that percentage. Yeah, right. So anyway, I wound up then deciding that I wasn't getting anywhere on the road. So uh, I said, I need to go someplace where music is king and I can get into a community and I can learn because there'll be other you know, musicians, a lot of other musicians, and there'll be a lot of music being played. And, and that was what where I wound up in New Orleans and then became totally enamored by jazz and wanting to try to learn to play or sing uh, in that format. Yeah. But again, it was still and always was. In those days, there was very little structure to the, to the business. And it's, it's about finding work and then the next day finding more work. You know, you know, Mike, I teach, I'm like this visiting artist position at Georgia State. I teach there on Mondays. And four years ago, I created a business class. You were talking about how you didn't have any of this in the schools. Right. So we, we really didn't either. And I, I, we always run into students who like they graduate and then they're like, now what? And they should have been working on their career the whole time. So I, I created this business course and I had to reflect on what I knew and then do a bunch of research. And boy, all this stuff changed. With the first time I taught it, we were talking about how to like how to produce your first CD. But now there's no more CDs. <laughs> you know, I had to take the whole unit out and redo it, you know. But, um, I, you know, when reflecting about what I did, you know, to make a living doing this, I, I mean, not only was I, I'm a very, very lucky with all the people I met who helped me and everything, but I, I also stumbled into what is a really good business model for these things. It had nothing to do with wisdom. It was really kind of childhood idiocy. But as you already know, I was programming computers for a living and paid very well. And I just suddenly decided I was going to become a jazz musician instead and then moved to Florida, which is may not make sense, but there was a great program there. And because I had this security blanket, which was if this music thing doesn't work, I'll just go back to programming, right? That meant that when I was doing music, I only did music. Like, I only, I only did jazz for a while. Um, like, if someone called me to join, like, like a wedding band, I, I wasn't interested. I didn't sacrifice this great-paying job so I could go do that. I wanted to play jazz. And the funny thing about that, I didn't realize till as time went by, but that's a particularly great way to do things because rather than being a jack of all these trades I got known by the other jazz musicians older ones as someone who desperately wanted to play their their music you know their stuff now yes I was driving to to, to Miami for a hundred dollars from Jacksonville <laughs> but it was worth it that was a relationship I built with this amazing musician Iris Sullivan one of the first people in Florida to hire me um, and not because of that I played I played good enough, but not very well. He certainly could have hired many better people, but but he knew I was very serious about it. And I think what I did was found my niche mm -hmm. and stuck to it. You know, I mean, you know, they have these terrible jokes like, "How do you make a million dollars as a jazz musician?" And the answer is, "Start with two million. <laughs> and or we have these other conceptions about like uh, I remember when we moved back to um, to Atlanta. And we were a nice neighborhood. We went to this block party to meet all our new neighbors and stuff. And they would ask me, so what do you, this happened twice from two separate people who didn't, hadn't heard the previous conversation, right? And they, 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 the, the man says, so what, so what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a musician. And then they say, oh, that's great. What's your day job? I'm like, I, I don't have one. I'm a musician. 
And then he looks confused and he says, well, what does your wife do? <laughs> Which, you know... It, but that exact conversation yeah. replicated itself, itself like 15 minutes later, which is so weird, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I have a, oh, yeah. a similar story, yeah, yeah. a little, a, a very different perspective. But when I um, moved to Atlanta from New Orleans, and I had, at that point in time, I decided, you know, as, you, as you said, you could always go back and program computers. I could always, I have a master's degree in English, I could always start a business where I could make money writing. And so when I moved from uh, New Orleans to uh, Atlanta, I did just that. I opened up a marketing agency and I had a partner. She was a great salesperson. We got a bunch of clients and everything. And one evening we were out at a restaurant, whining and dining one of our bigger clients. And... Um, so my partner, she used to just love to say, you know, Mike was a professional musician. That's what he did for his first career. And the guy looked at me and he said, really? You, <laughs> you did that and now you can do this? And, and, and I looked at him and I said, you know something? This is so easy compared to what I did as a professional musician. You have no idea. This is, I can, if I feel bad in the morning, I can go close the door to my office, put my feet up on the desk and take a nap. <laughs> Try to do that when you're on stage. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people under, they, they overvalue the idea of talent as opposed to the craft that's involved because the, the craft of music is, is very intricate and complicated. It takes so much hard work. Getting a music degree is kind of like getting a pre-med degree in terms of the amount of stu- things you have to study and work. Not that a degree leads you to a job necessarily, <laughs> but the amount of stuff you have to know, unless I've been, I've been, well, I've been doing this, I said 36 years for a living, right? I still take lessons, I still practice as much as I can. It's just continuing education. I compare it to what doctors do, which is they have to, they are they are required to do continuing education. And you also year. have been teaching for all those years, so mm-hmm. you have that insight into the educational aspect of this as well. It helps. Yeah, I, you know, when I first started teaching, it's because I had I had you know when my when my daughter was born, I was so young, and uh, my wife was so young, and I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to do, I, I keep doing music until we run out of money. I want to make sure I, I, you know, I provide for my daughter. And uh, we never ran out of money. <laughs> it was surprising. I was thinking I'm going to, you know, go get a job back in computers or something. It, it never happened. And then they, they, you know, they made a job for me at the University of North Florida. Um, I hadn't graduated yet. So I'm telling you how lucky I was, right? And I didn't really want to be a teacher, at all, I want to just play. But it turns out I had something unique to offer there because of all the stuff I was doing outside the university, and I I fell in love with teaching. I, you know, so I'm not doing it for the income. I'm doing it because I, I like the process, and I learned a lot from all these all the students I work with. I mean, I I still information from them all the time. You know, a lot of uh, of the better musicians that I'm fortunate enough to know. Um, our teachers as well. They teach, uh, you know, at the university, at Georgia State mm-hmm. University. has a bunch of guys that we know you play with. I play with some of them from time to time. Uh, and others that teach, you know, in a high school or even in a grammar school or that give lessons, whatever. And that's it's a supplement, an income supplement, certainly. 
but they're also performers and they're playing they're playing you know a night or two nights a week and playing uh, the stuff they want to play the music they right. want to play well, Beethoven taught lessons <laughs> I mean I think it's just part of it the distinction I make for the students and not that I have all the answers I'm just trying to tell them what I've learned but I think the distinction is that they don't view music as a self-employed entrepreneur which is what you are mm. you know if you're not prepared to be self-employed and do all the work for that you, you know music might be a different part of your life than your career because you know you i mean there are some salary jobs you could be like a get a job with one of the major symphonies that's salary and that's your job but that's that's again that's pretty rare that's yeah. like becoming a quarterback <laughs> in the nfl how many how many jobs are how like many, that how many tuba players at the atlanta symphony <laughs> but but that's if you just talk about the business of music if you're willing to to work on that side of you and and do all this stuff that's that's you know letting people know what you do and participating mm -hmm. in everything including teaching then there's no shortage of work. Yeah. You know, I think uh, that's another aspect of this is that um, I have friends who have said, well, you know, my granddaughter, she's just a, an amazing piano player. She's great. She's going to, she says, but, but we're trying to make sure that she doesn't want to do this for a career because, you know, we don't want her struggling in the, in the music business. But, uh, and I tell them what you and I have talked about, what you have told me so many times, there are lots of opportunities in the world of music to make a living. Yeah, you know, you, you'll see these things online where they talk about um, how many professional musicians are in the country and stuff like this. And you think they would do it a certain way, but they're only counting people who are like performers in the music business not the business of music and that's a very small percentage but if you just think about day day day-to-day -day life there's music in everything we do and someone has to make produce create compose promote all of that stuff the, the all the different things involved with the music the business of music mm -hmm. is really complicated you know my last neighborhood before I moved to this house there were five other people there who made their only made their living. One little neighborhood all made their living as musicians. One of them owned a recording studio. Another one uh, composed all the incidental music for Turner Broadcasting. So if you saw like TCM Turner, Turner Classic Movies, he would write every week. He'd write like a little thirty-second piece of music for him. Uh, we both have a dear friend, Sam Skelton. He he. If you hear saxophone on CNN, it's usually him. That's not his main job, but you know he plays. Mm -hmm. I mean, music is his main job, but like, there's just no shortage of stuff. And yeah. if I need more money, I just go do more gigs. <laughs> yeah, you and you think about it. And how many television channels are there now on on your uh, on your television on anybody's television? And you can't turn to any one of those channels. If there's an ad, there's going to be music behind it. If there's a show, there's going to be a theme for that show, even if it's a news program. If there's an, a drama, there's going to be music behind the drama throughout, start, start to end. I mean, it's constant. It, yeah. and, and like you say, there's all that stuff has to be created, recorded, produced, marketed. 
Man, we had a, a, a bass student at Georgia State University, Evan Hodges, great musician, but suddenly his girlfriend got pregnant, he's gonna have a, have a baby and all this stuff. Um, and he, he decided he needed to make more money, so he just decided to become a film composer. This is right when all the stuff was moving to Atlanta for that. And he, he writes so many film scores now that he makes his whole living doing that. Uh, it just took him a year to build up that business, wow. but he, he was, he was, you know, he had a drive because he wanted to take care of his family mm -hmm. and, um, he's very successful. He, in fact, he just built a whole studio in his backyard and like a shipping container, you know, like those tiny house kind of things where he, he's in there writing all this stuff. Um, it's just, it's, it's just a good business. It yeah. really is. Well, I think your, your point that might be the key point of this, this whole, uh, issue is that you have to look at yourself as an entrepreneur. You're not working for the man. <laughs> You're not uh, a bank employee. You don't have a desk in a Fortune five in a in an office in a Fortune five hundred company. You have to take what you love and find a way to market it to make a living doing it. I com I compare them to. I tell the students to think about like if they got a dental degree to be a dentist and they graduate and then they, uh, you know, they were in place and they, they put all their equipment in there and then they just sit down and wait for patients. No. <laughs> and all of them have been driving around and see the billboard or the sign that says, you know, uh, x-rays free for your first visit or whatever. I mean, you have to, you know, it's funny how I know about this because I have, you know, students who are dentist i have two, two really successful and it's it's so funny because they do so many of the same things that musicians do which it wasn't obvious to me like they go to conventions they go they do continuing education they know who's the famous dentist and who they want to you know work with and all this stuff there's a famous dental convention that happens in atlanta yeah. every year i forget what it's called it's one of the biggest atlanta's biggest and longest running conventions oh so you, you remember what's called it's named for someone but um like i remember one time they were going to it and they said oh i'm really excited because so-and-so is the keynote speaker i had never thought that we would be like famous dentist yes but of course there are, and I think it's part of this entrepreneurial thing. Because dentists are entrepreneurs, sure. you know, and and you know you have to have take care of your own, you know, insurance, health insurance, your own retirement. You pay and work and, on all those. And things. you have several employees. You have clinical employees, and you have office employees. Um, my dentist that I've been going to for thirty years. The same people are out front in the front of the office uh, that were there 30 years ago when I started. That means it's a good dentist. Yeah. Actually, it's the third different dentist that owns this practice, but the wow. same people are still there. But it's in a good place and they have a good clientele. Well, you know, I just think music has such a prevalent role in everyone's lives. I can only think of like three other commodities that are, are equal to or even more in demand, which would be... Um, like healthcare, food. I mean, it's the it's the oldest profession, sex I, of some kind. I knew that's where you were I going. Mean, <laughs> I mean, they, I read recently like 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 eighty percent of the traffic on the internet is related to pornography. Yeah, yeah I mean, so that's a that's <laughs> definitely a business thing. But I, you know, music seems to be right up there. You know, there, there's people who make their living, you know, teaching archery. And people don't like really think, well, that's hard. 
it's it's quirky, but they don't think of it about being a bad business. Well, I, I just love being a musician. I'm so lucky. Do I want everyone who wants to do it to, you know, have to a chance? To feel like they can. Yeah, I do. Right. 